are you surrounding yourself with? Who can help you to get it done? And who can help you to really believe? Today, I bring you someone fabulous to spend time with to help you to get into the mindset of a champion to create the life you desire. Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Several weeks ago, we had three Love Life Tribe members on the show to share their stories of manifesting. And now I want to share with you a quick story of something I manifested a few weeks ago in only 30 minutes. Since that episode, quite a few of us have joined together in the private Facebook group to create new vision boards. Now, creating new vision boards, it's much more than pretty pictures on a poster to stare at. It gives you the opportunity to focus on what it is we are really wanting in life, either right now or in the future. It's another form of gaining clarity and setting goals. I know I've enjoyed creating some new goals to reach for, which is something I haven't really consciously spent a lot of time doing recently, so it's great to be updating. And I know many of you are focusing on your vision boards on careers or relationships or physical goals. And that's besides the pink glitter Mercedes-Benz and first-class trips around the world. So with this in mind, I felt it would be the right time to bring a guest on the show to help all of us with achieving goals. How to really believe in ourselves? What to do when we aren't manifesting the good stuff? How to stay focused? How to know when to ask for help to assist us in achieving? How to really get into the mindset of a true champion, goal setter and achiever? As I was playing around with images to go on my vision board, and this was only two weeks ago, I was simultaneously scrolling through Facebook when a photo popped up of a fun night I'd had in Perth recently. This was where I was a plus one at a pretty cool dinner, a dinner filled with loads of laughter, and there were some very high-achieving, fun, extroverted people there, just my kind of people. And uh, did I mention... There was a three-time Olympian present, one that has a gold and bronze medal, one that specialises in public speaking, helping people to be the best versions of themselves, one that now has a wellness business to support people. Well, there she was, the photo of our night together on my newsfeed. So I quickly saved the photo to add to my vision board of someone I'd love to have join me on the Love Life show. Before I even got to print the photo to go on the vision board, she messaged me. Well, I had to grab my chance to ask her if she'd like to come on the show and help us with creating a great mindset of self-belief. And here she is joining me today. Sydney 2000 Olympic gold medalist, Carrie Pothast. But before we get into the chat I had with her, I just have to acknowledge the universe here. How's that for fast manifesting? The photo didn't even make it to the vision board to have it manifested. Hi, I'm Kerry Pothast and I've recently retired from professional sport. I spent 20 years chasing my dream and I finally caught up with it on Bondi Beach at the Sydney Olympics. Match point. The beating. In order to 
to claim gold during an against-all-odds win, they were facing up to beach volleyball giants Brazil at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. Kerry and her playing partner Natalie Cook had to overcome their own fear and doubt, having been defeated 16 times in a row by the seemingly unbeatable world champions. Kerry and her partner didn't really fancy their chances, and yet they did it. Having created one of the most memorable memories of the Olympic Games by winning gold in Sydney. I started by asking Carrie if winning gold at the Olympics had been a goal set 20 years prior. And if so, that sounds to me like 20 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Jane, probably it wasn't to win a gold medal because when I first started playing um, volleyball and, and became an elite player, I. I I didn't really know where it was going to take me. So I guess the goal was always to be better than I was the day before or the week before or the month before or the year before. I, I always, and I still strive for that now in, in everything I do. I, I'm always striving to be better at what I do. You know, this morning I had a, a business coach talk to me about how I could be a better leader within my business. So, you know, although I, I have achieved things, I'm always looking at how I can do things better. So I guess for 20 years, yeah, blood, sweat and tears, That's that rhymes, 20 years, blood, sweat and tears. I might have to use that line. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that the goal was um, more about – I was goal-driven for 20 years, definitely, absolutely goal-driven, as I still am. I think, you know, in order to achieve success in any area of your life, you know, you need to, to sort of set about some sort of – you know, goal to, to work towards and then work out what you really love and, and then work out how to get there. That's pretty much what I did. I, I found what I loved. I said, okay, I want to get to this level. How am I going to do it? And I just started looking around for to people to help me um, to get it done. So I, I, I'm very good at modelling, um, not modelling as in walking down a catwalk. Actually, I think you'd be gorgeous <laughs> doing that as well. <laughs> that sounded funny. Um, no, modelling people who are really good at what I want to do. So I look at people who, you know, are good mums. When I, when I had Tyson, my son, you know, I wanted to be like my sister because I saw the way she brought up her two kids and I really loved that that environment so I wanted to be like her in that sense and when I played volleyball I looked at other volleyball players who were better than me and I I wanted to be like them so I'd choose little areas of what they were good at that I thought would suit my style or me or my abilities and then I would model it and and try and do it like they did so you mentioned a couple of times very quickly you know you had a business meeting this morning with a coach And you mentioned, you know, I found the people to help me to get better at what I need to do. So it sounds to me like having the right support team is crucial in your mindset to achieve what you want to achieve. Oh, totally. Like 100 million percent because, you know, no one athlete can ever win a gold medal or even be successful in in winning a championship or the local competition or whatever on their own. You know, you, you, you need to come into anything with somebody guiding you along the way. Um, there's very few people in this world that have done anything amazing to change the world on their own. They've, they've, had, they've done it as part of a team. They may have been the leader of the team, um, but they've done it as part of a team where everybody works with, with, with each other's strengths. Um, and most people get to a point where they need a coach to help them get to the next level. And so I recognise that. Obviously, in sport, that's, that's quite obvious. All sporting teams have coaches, but... We recognised that after the 96 Olympics where we had one coach. 
um, to get us to a bronze medal. And, you know, we really wanted to win the next one. That, that was the point that the gold medal became the goal. So how many years into my career was that? So that was probably, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years into my volleyball career until I realized that right now my goal is to win an Olympic gold medal because this one's going to be in my hometown, in my home country. That's the one to win. And so I, you know, we looked at what was um, what we were limited by. We looked at the areas of our game that we could improve. We had our volleyball coach, but we didn't have somebody who was helping us with our conditioning, someone full-time. Um, we didn't have somebody who was helping us with our mindset either. So we then employed a full-time conditioning coach. And then we also brought on board a, um, a mentor, a success coach, somebody who helped us with our mindset and helped us develop the belief that we needed to achieve what we wanted to achieve, which at that point was kind of out of everybody's kind of achievement abilities. Like we, we cannot, you know, people that we talked to just couldn't even comprehend us winning that tournament. Well, yes, we just won a bronze medal, but there were so many teams and there was four years still. Um, that were better than us, you know, on paper because that had better results. So for us, we really had to develop the belief area, which was, for me, was the biggest part. It was the last piece of the puzzle was to develop the belief that we could do what we set out to do. I love that you've brought in the mindset coach because I think that belief really, it is the lack of belief or it's that that voice in the head that says you're not good enough, you're not clever enough, talented enough, whatever, fill in the blank that self-sabotages and undermines so many people to achieve whatever their goal is in life. So having a mindset coach to help that monkey mind to be mastered, I actually agree with you, is so apparent for people to be able to achieve. Mm. Did you feel that the mindset coach – I mean, I, I can see all three roles of a coach. It's probably very unfair to compare when it is a team – but that mindset of getting you into a situation where, I don't know, you're actually on the court, you're in the last set, is that the difference? Is it Because at that level of athleticism, I would imagine that the difference between the top few teams is very, very little, that it really is just mindset that's absolutely. different. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You'll hear that from any top-level athlete, that the difference between gold, silver, gold, bronze, a medal and no medal is all about mindset. Um, and mindset is very broad because for some people to develop mindset might be to develop um, resilience or it might be you know, their ability to cope when things aren't going so well. It might be to, to tackle anxiety around fear of failure. Um, it might be to tackle anxiety around big performances. Like they might be great at training, but then put them in a you know stadium full of ten thousand people, and it's the gold medal match, and they just fall apart. Um, it might well, were be you prepared for that because yes. I imagine that your games up to prior to Sydney two thousand, you would have been playing as the away team with no support, no crowd support or limited, very little, I imagine, a handful yep. of people at best, maybe. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then you come into a stadium where there's 10,000 people all going nuts. We knew that was going to happen. We knew that we, we knew that there were going to be thousands of people cheering for us where we'd never had that before. So we tried to emulate that with loud music at training and we tried to kind of imagine it, but 
without having ever experienced it, it was hard to imagine it. So when it when our first match went, we were the first Aussies to hit the sand at Bondi, and and so the crowd was just it was on the first day. And the crowd was just like waiting, like they were just kind of salivating, waiting for some Aussies to come out so they could start cheering, Aussie, 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 oi, 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 and start singing the, <laughs> singing the, you know, the anthem and all those sorts of things. So um, we were waiting. I remember waiting underneath the stadium ready to go out onto the court and we were almost ready to pee our pants. We were that nervous. Um, it was nothing like we could have ever imagined that feeling. Like you can imagine the kind of what might happen but you can't imagine how that's going to make you feel um so we i reckon i went to the toilet about 10 times i still needed to go to nervous we yeah i still needed to go to the toilet the minute before even though i'd been about five minutes earlier but once we got out there um it was pretty daunting it 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 almost threw us it did through throw our aussie men's team in fact they lost their first match which put them in a really bad position and then they never were able to recover and we nearly lost our first match. We were it, back then; it was different scoring, but we had to get to 15 first. It was 11 points all, and we made it to 15 in time before the 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 game was finished. So we just scraped through. And after that, we realised we need some help with this. So again, it's not about just accepting the situation and trying to work it out yourself. I said, who can we talk to that? would be here in the Olympics at Sydney competing, one of the athletes, because that was who we could kind of relate to, that would have experienced this. And the first thing I thought of was tennis players because they play all over the world um, and then they come back to Australia and they play the Melbourne, you know, Open or or whatever and they would feel that. And Pat Rafter um, happened to be um, playing at that point for Australia and I said to our coach, I said, oh, it would be great if we could somehow get into the village and have a chat to Pat. And he said, well, as it happens, he knew Pat's personal, um, he knew Pat's conditioning coach. He's like his um, trainer. Strength and conditioning, yeah. Yeah. And so he was our, like Phil was our strength and conditioning coach and he knew Pat. So he just made a call and he arranged for us to go in and speak to Pat, which was fantastic. So we spent about an hour and a half with Pat, with Leighton Hewitt, um, who was just starting to, to come up through the ranks at that point, was playing for Australia in the Sydney Games, um, with a couple of the other players Um, girls and guys that were representing Australia in tennis and what that gave me was just a sense of we're not the only ones there's other people experiencing and have been through this before and they've come out and they've shown through that like they've come out on top and also what he said to us that day that stayed with me it was like um, the 10,000 people they're cheering for you but put yourself, almost surround yourself. It's just you and Nat. It's like you and Nat on the court. There's a team on the other side. They're still there. Don't don't try and close them out because that's that's impossible. They're still there. But make it feel like you're in this little cocoon. So I imagine this kind of glass cocoon around us. And I just I always like to describe when the last point, um, when the ball landed out, which gave us the point for gold medal match, it was, and we collapsed on the ground in the sand and. It, it was like that that cone of or that cocoon of glass kind of just shattered down around us, and all of a sudden I looked up and I could I could zone in like there were people there and I could hear them before, but I didn't know where anyone was sitting. I didn't see a face. It was just me and Nat on the court playing these two on the other side, and that's what he gave me. And if it wasn't for speaking to him and and other people and just being open about what was going on because we had three days before our next match. 
we probably wouldn't have recovered and, and may have gone down a lot earlier in that event. So Isn't it again, interesting that you can pinpoint one conversation or a group of conversations around one theme to being the difference? Yeah, it's a turning point. And, and the funny thing is, is I'm so excited as I sit here right now because the, the coach that I had this morning who, yes. who I'm working with, I feel like, and I was describing that on a phone call earlier, I feel like this is the turning point for myself in this business. This is the turning point for, for our business because I feel like I've found the right person who gets where I am in, in our business sense and gets who I am as well and what I've achieved and how that can help me drive, um, you know, my next goal. So, yeah, I'll always remember today. <laughs> you know what? And I think even if it, it's not the, the biggest turning point, the fact that I feel like that will help wherever Absolutely. I'm at. Yes. So, well, the body knows no difference between imagination and reality. So to be in that imaginary state of this is a turning point, you actually are, yeah. which is fabulous. Whatever I happens. Love, I, you know, I want to ask you about your business, but first I'd like to ask the ability for you to be able to share your vulnerability at a time when perhaps many would feel you can't share your vulnerability when you're on top and you're focusing to, to, to get this, this goal. I feel that's a really important characteristic of people that are wanting to achieve is to know that it's okay at any point to share whatever vulnerability it is you've got going on to seek the assistance of others to overcome it. Just going to say about the vulnerability, the one thing when I was an athlete that we had the only area that we couldn't show vulnerability was to our opponents. But right, yes. So, But the area off the court and, and being um, vulnerable to ask for help was was crucial was 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 the was the turning point it, it is it is you know if you think that you can do this and travel this world on your own and be successful in whatever area and that could just be successful as a parent or successful in a relationship thinking that you can do that and work it all out yourself like it, that's crazy it's crazy because you know you're always going to have a, a different viewpoint from somebody else. It doesn't mean you have to follow other people. It means you find your own way. But but you know definitely seek out seek out other people and and be vulnerable in that sense. But there's one thing, yeah, we couldn't be vulnerable with our opponents. We had to show we had to make out we were having the best of times all the time and we were loving each other all the time. Yep, you're my partner on the court. So but off the court we might have been fighting and punching each other out and. <laughs> No, we weren't punching each other out, but sometimes it felt like we were getting close to that because we definitely had our struggles along the way. But that was all part of building our, our relationship and building our team. It's like going to war together. Yeah, if, if you try to ignore the weaknesses, they're just going to come back and be shown in greater amount yeah. at, a later, at a later stage and maybe at a crucial stage, you know, when totally. you don't want to be dealing with stuff like that. How do you come back from defeats or how do you come back from when your self-confidence has taken a big hit? Um, I like to deal with it straight away. Um, when I was playing with Natalie um, on the court, she preferred to deal with it after some time to let it all soak in. So that was our biggest problem. <laughs> so yeah, it would be because you're going to be left in anxiety would, while she's processing yes, yes. or she's going to be very reactionary if you're wanting to confront and discuss too soon. And that's, that's exactly 
that was a toughie and I had to respect her ability to to be able to have some time off and uh, and and process it and she found it very difficult that as soon as I stepped off the court I'm like right what went wrong what how did that why did that happen what are this you know and I you know I was straight away trying to fix things and that that's probably um, one of my weaknesses I try and fix things too quickly and and too often <laughs> um well, that, around the, you know, what around the house well, I was going to say, whatever is our weakness is also often our strength. It just yeah. depends on which situation it's being played out in. Yes, good point, good point. Um, but, yeah, so so our coach was there to really manage that, so I would probably – What a role. Yeah. <laughs> Two very strong women. Yeah, well, no, he would he would be there to talk to me straight off the court and, and answer my questions and, you know, just try and work through what I thought went wrong. And we would leave Nat to – to sulk, you know, or do whatever process, she needed to do. Process, Kerry, process. <laughs> process, yeah. Sorry, Cece, I'm the, I'm the one that thinks it's sulking if you just sit around because that's what I would do. If I was left on my own, I would just be sulking instead of working. Uh, she would process. Um, and then when she was ready, we would talk about it. So, you know, so that, again, that was a coach's role. That's that's important part of a, a team and knowing that we're all different and being able to relate to that and, and respect it. And, and that's sometimes really, really hard because especially when you're defeated um, because all you want to do is kind of, you know, it, it, you, there's no positivity in that that environment. So, um, you know, you have to, you just have to wait. You, you just have to wait. But for us, you know, how, Having um, such a, a grand goal that we were trying to achieve, that was what kept us going. That was what, you know, made us really resilient. Okay, this worked, this didn't work, didn't work this time, we'll try that next time. Um, you know, we had a lot of little goals along the way. We wanted to beat every team in the world, which we managed. We wanted to win an event before the Olympic gold medal. We never did. We came second. We've got so many silvers, you have no idea. <laughs> But we didn't win a world – we won a lot of national events and Asian events, but we didn't win a world tour event. Um, but we have a lot of silvers and bronzes from those world tour events. Um, but The gold that you've got is the epitome, hometown. Yeah. doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, no, but in terms of wanting to cross that off before the gold medal match, that was one of our goals, to, to one, beat every team in the world on the way to, the, to that because we had a lot of tournaments leading up to Sydney Games. It wasn't just one event per year we had you know 10 other events each year right so during those during that last year and a half beat beat every team and win an event so if we we went into that tournament still with the fact that we hadn't won a world tour event yet we'd come second so that so was how much did that undermine your belief that you could pull off the gold it didn't because in our mind we had beat well we had beaten the team that we knew would end up playing the team that was winning everything we had beaten them once in 17 matches so that gave us a little bit of belief <laughs> but we developed belief outside of our sport we developed belief in ourselves and we developed our belief in our ability to bring our best on that day so that we developed a belief around it not in the actual process but we developed a belief around it and all the other things that we could that, you know, that was our day, we're planning for it, you know, we're going to do this. We developed a belief that we could serve like that, that we could, you know, attack like that, that we could play defense like that. We developed the belief that we could just, if we were losing, it wouldn't matter, we would keep on fighting. We developed a belief in each other that we had each other's backs. We developed the belief that our coach was the had us on the right track, that everything that we were doing along the way, we developed the belief that 
we could do it against all of our fears and all of our doubts and all of our doubters because there's often people around you that, that doubt you more than you doubt yourself and you have to deal with that as well. So we developed all the belief in all the areas. So for me, the belief was the number one thing that got us across the line, the belief in the fact that we could could do it. But we had our goal was just that one day, that one moment. So it's a really specific thing, whereas, you know, now in business, it's not often one moment and one goal. We don't work towards one particular you know, one hour period in our life. And not very, just that, but that one moment can never be recreated. That's right. Yeah, it, not for another four years anyway, if you're yeah, able to get there then, again. And, and that, that's right, as well yeah. as it's not going to be in so, your hometown, it's not going to be in your home country rather. Yeah, um, So, but all the lessons that we learnt to get to that are the best things I've ever done in terms of learning how then to create success in other areas of my life because there isn't that urgency now. I mean, I can develop a business and set a goal. If it doesn't happen this year, maybe it'll happen next year. As you were saying about your different beliefs that you worked hard to achieve, I was thinking every one of those beliefs applies to every person listening to this podcast in whatever it is they're wanting. And as you say, whether it's the best relationship, the greatest business, the the goal of being the best parent they can be, etc. Those beliefs are so crucial. I asked Kerry, how difficult was it to transition from a love of the sand of being a full-time professional athlete to life beyond the volleyball court? She had this to say and shared with us a little of what she's up to now. Well, that's actually a hot topic at the moment because um, there are a lot of athletes that, that are having issues with coming, you know, not coming down but changing their lifestyle because I got asked a lot um, and I still get asked because I do a lot of motivational speaking. So that's one of the businesses I do and I've been doing that for over 10 years now and still get a lot of corporate work. Um, and Both of my children have been blessed to hear you speak and they, oh, when I told them that I was, I was chatting with you today, they were so excited because they just think you're fabulous. They're very oh, motivating, very thanks. motivating. Thank you, Jane. I love speaking to not only um, kids and athletes but especially corporates because I can really relate the lessons that we learn as athletes to um, the corporate world. Um, but, yeah, I, I, because I did a lot of that sort of speaking, I, I used to look out into the audiences and I'd see a lot of stressed people, a lot of um, unhealthy people, overweight people, and I, I always thought I wanted to get into like a bit of more of a corporate health type area and I was starting to design off the back of some of my motivational keynotes, I was starting to design sort of some corporate health workshops because I figured I could really motivate people for that hour or so, but I knew that a week later, you know, they'd forget, forgotten about me and, and what I said and how it might have helped them and they're back in their normal routine. So I wanted something more lasting. And then a few years ago, I was introduced to nutritional cleansing through a system of products which really helped people with initially weight loss, building lean muscle, aging well, but also with stress. That's what I was looking for and also with, you know, just ongoing general health. And so I tried it, loved it. My husband tried it, loved it. He looks like the front cover of a men's health magazine. He's so shredded, which is not really the – it's not the only thing, but he's good to look at, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> my personally now, three years down the track, my health is incredible, and I've helped over 150 people along to better health in the meantime. So now I'm, I'm dividing my time between – 
motivational speaking, you know, 90% of it is corporate, 10% kind of athlete sport kids, um, and then also helping people with their health with these this system of products, which I, you know, 100% back. So that's kind of where I'm heading and it's, it's you know, the, the business of the, the products now and, and the health coaching is is becoming bigger and that's what I had a meeting with my coach about this morning is how can I take that to the next level and, and impact even more lives because I feel like my purpose and the reason I won a gold medal, and this is really interesting, I didn't realize this in the last few years, the reason why I did that was because that is my vehicle to help other people. I love coaching. I love, I coach my, my sport. I coach juniors in my sport when I can. Um, and I love, well, my husband probably thinks I love telling people what to do, but it's because I, <laughs> it's because I want to help them. It's because I want to help them be better versions of themselves, basically. And, yeah, so that's pretty much what I do these days. Kerry, any final words of wisdom that you can share with our listeners to help them to have that extra bit of courage to take the step that they're wanting to take, that they've been moving towards? But, you know, that final moment where you've got to kind of take that deep breath and just do it. Look, firstly, I think you have to realise that there's someone else in the world who's done what you're wanting to do. There's not many things that I don't think any of your listeners would be wanting to do something that somebody else hasn't achieved. So realising that the person that's already achieved that was probably exactly like you at some point and exactly at the same point as you. So other people have done it. So that's number one. That's something that will motivate people to take that, that leap. Okay, well, if that person did it, I can do it too. Why not? We're all born the same, right? We're all born with two arms, two legs, most of us, and two eyes, two, you know, and all those sorts of things. Um, and then secondly, I think just trust and, and you know, and realising, having, having faith that, you know, if it doesn't work, there's so many other options in life. Like know that, that you know, maybe that is your plan A, but there's a plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. There's other things that you can do if that doesn't work. And and I wouldn't want to be on my deathbed looking back going, I should have done this and I could have done that and what if I'd done that? You don't want to live your life with regrets. So for me, that's how I look at every decision I make. If I don't do this thing, am I going to regret it down the track? I've got to just give it a go. And then just take the jump. Then just go five, four, three, two, one, do it. Countdown and do it when you get to zero. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving me your very precious and valuable time. And we will put all your details in the show notes so people can reach out to you and check out this gorgeous lifestyle wellness business. And in the meantime, keep staying happy. Thank you so much, Jane. Love you. Bye-bye. As I was pondering Kerry's words, I realized that Kerry is a committed learner, someone who is selective in choosing who she learns from and seeks the wisdom from others to help her to be the best version of herself. And now she's helping others do the same. I too am committed to surrounding myself with people I can learn from, be it in physical life or connecting using the wonderful internet or social media. None of us have all the answers, nor know it all, so it excites me to continually be learning and connecting with wise people. People like Kerry, and of course you guys, the gorgeous and oh-so-very-wise Love Life Tribe.
And to finish the show with another manifesting story, as I was about to record this piece, another wonderful teacher who I love listening and learning from, Jay Shetty, shared a gorgeous YouTube clip that sums up perfectly my thoughts and feelings right now. Have a listen. The story goes that Marcus Aurelius hired an assistant to follow him as he walked through the Roman town square. The assistant's only role was to, whenever Marcus Aurelius was praised, whisper in his ear, you're just a man, you're just a man. They say two things define us, our patience when we have nothing and our humility when we have everything. You know, the greatest thinkers on the planet believe that they're perpetual learners, perpetual students of reality and of life. And it was actually Maya Angelou who said that actually I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. The person that we will become in five years is defined by the people that we spend time with today and the books that we read today. That's why who we associate with, who we spend time with, who we absorb our energy with will really define what's on our mind. And often what limits our learning is that we believe we already know. We believe that we already have knowledge. We already believe that we have the answer. But actually opening up ourselves to learn from the people around us, selectively choosing people who can be guided and wise advisors. We often find that this feeling of knowing makes us actually judge others and criticize others. And that's why we see that judging is critical, but observing can be educational. And therefore, we should be so focused on improving ourselves that we don't have any energy to criticize anyone else. And when we're focusing on improving ourselves, we'll surround ourselves by people who challenge the way we think, who question the way we behave. And that's why if you're looking around and you find yourself being the smartest person in the room, change rooms, you're in the wrong one. You want to be around people who lift up the way you think, who lift up your mindset, who really take you to new dimensions and horizons that you could never ever imagine yourself. I believe that we should never let compliments get to our head and never let criticism get to our heart because when we do that, we can start to build with genuineness and authenticity. When we're humble, we can actually grow and rise up and always feel that we're learning, always feel that we're developing, always feel that someone can share insight at any moment that can change our lives. Have you ever found it that similar situations keep coming into your life and actually nothing ever goes away until it teaches you what you needed to learn? So when we don't extrapolate lessons from situations, we have to take that test again. We almost have to learn that lesson again and therefore simultaneous or repetitive situations keep approaching us in our lives. When we realize that we're students for life, Instead of making people see how powerful we are, we want people to understand how powerful they are and we'll learn how to empower others. We'll actually attract people to work with us to achieve our goals. They say it's better to know how to learn than to know. Because when we know how to learn, it becomes a habit. It becomes part of our mindset. It becomes a part of the way that we daily navigate life. We're trying to draw lessons from every person, every situation, every interaction, every moment that can actually teach us something about ourselves, teach us something about society, teach us something about our world, teach us something about how we can interact with that space. And that's why Brian Herbert said, the capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill but the willingness to learn is a choice. 
If you would like to learn more from Jay, head to his Facebook page, Jay Shetty. And if you would like to contact Kerry to learn more about her wellness business, email her at info at kerrypodcast.com.au. The links are in the show notes. And until next week, surround yourself with those who really help you to be the very best version of yourself. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful day.